Adams, Adamly, Adamowski, Bueller, Burns, Burns, Burns. Time for School, Rock School, with your hosts, Dr. Joe Burns. This is the American group of people who went and got the Enigma machine, got it from uh, the Germans, and because of capturing the Enigma machine, we won the Second World War. I do remember, remember. yes, yes. John Bon Jovi dies early in the movie, thank Thank goodness, thank Thank God, God. I get it, yeah. Class is in. This is the Rock School Radio Show on the Rock School Radio Network. My name is Joe Burns. Who's over there? I am Tammy Burns. What do you got there in that glass? Is that a lady drink? Well, that's a lady drink of ice water, my dear. That's not a lady drink. That's just water. That's H2O. That's That's... called It's 100 Degrees Outside. I just worked out and uh, I need some water. Worked out. Wow. Is that what I call it? I took a walk. Is that working out anymore, taking a walk? When it's this hot, yes. It was three miles in this heat, yes. I understand that. Okay, here's the thing. The semester is coming up. The semester at my university is starting, and this semester, as I do every other semester, I am teaching film history. Fun. Yeah, we start all the way back in the late 1800s with Edison, and we try to roll as far as we can. Normally, I get into the late 70s, late 80s, and then we just simply run out of time. Mm -hmm. So here's the thing. I thought, wouldn't it be fun, because this is one of the things I have fun with, what historical movies get incorrect? Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example. Okay. The Revenant, remember that? Oh, yeah. Right, it's it's a wonderful movie supposedly about a man who goes after uh, people who killed his child. Hugh Glass is the person in the film. Yeah. He's attacked by a bear. He survives and goes on. Oh, yeah. Right, there's right. only one problem. Leo DiCaprio wins an Oscar. Hugh What's Gl- the problem? Yeah, Hugh Glass had no child. They made the child up for the film. Okay. Yeah, he was motivated by the loss of his gun and, of course, being buried alive. That's the reason he went after. Remember Captain Phillips? Yes, I do. Where supposedly he's attacked by the um, the Somali pirates. Right. And he's a hero. He is. He's a, mm-hmm. Right. Here's the problem. In that movie, he was told, you never see this in the movie, he was told numerous times in real life, do not go near the Somali coast because there are pirates. And he basically ignored all of those warnings and went near the Somali coast. And hey, guess what happened? So this whole thing about him being a hero in the movie is well overblown. Oh, come on now. Don't let the truth get in the way. Right. Don't let the truth get in the way of a good story. So here's what I thought I'd do. I would look up all of the music biopics that I possibly could and see if there are any mistakes in the biopics because biopics want to tell the truth of a music artist as closely as they possibly can. Okay. I found mistakes in every single one of them. No, you did and not. What I, what I tried to do, because there's a lot of them, you know, where they smoked a cigarette that wasn't available at that time. Yeah. They were in a car that wasn't available at that time. Right. That I could care less about. 
I wanted to focus on things in the music industry. So I have over two shows. This is the first of a twofer. I have over two shows, a series of mistakes inside of biopics that when you're watching them, you can sound supremely smart. And I focused only on mistakes in the music. Do you remember La Bamba? Yes, I do. Right. The story of Richie Valens. Uh-huh. Okay. In the movie La Bamba, Buddy Holly is shown singing, crying, waiting, hoping at the winter dance party. Yeah, there's I only one. That. There's only one problem. He wouldn't have been able to sing it. It wasn't released at that point in time. At the end of the movie, a DJ announces over the air that the crash, the plane crash that killed the three, uh, the three rock stars. Yeah. Uh, the problem is he, the disc jockey, announces and then plays Sleepwalk by Santo and Johnny. Right. Here's the problem. The crash occurred on February 3rd, 1959. The song would not be released until July of 1959. It wasn't available to be played. Oh, that is a huge mistake. Folk- Mistake, yes. The film depicts a coin toss between Richie Valens and one of Holly's band members, Tommy Alsup, a guitarist. It depicts that the coin flip occurred on the tarmac of the airport. Right. The coin flip did occur. But it wasn't between the two of them. No, it was between the two of them. The problem is the coin flip took place at the surf ballroom, not on the tarmac. So that's a bit of artistic license. One more, then we'll play a song from La Bamba. The bulletin that announces the plane crash states that J.P. Richardson, the big bopper, is from Louisiana. Yes. He is not. He was born in Sabine Pass, Texas. So that's the kind of thing we're going to do for two shows. I love it. Here's the movie. Here's what's wrong with it. And we're going to play some music from the movies. Here's La Bamba, but not the Richie Valens version. This is from the one that's in the movie. This is Los Lobos here on Rock School. Talking about mistakes in biopics this time around on Rock School for a two-first show. Let's talk about another movie before we get into the biopic. Do you remember Elizabeth, the Golden Age? If you remember the movie, those of you who are out in the audience, in the movie, Charles Howard cries out, We're losing too many ships! (laughs) There's only one problem. In the battle he's talking about, England lost zero ships. during that battle and also in the movie elizabeth is shown riding with full armor sort of joan of arc joan of i do remember remember yes holding a sword we shall win no way huh untrue she would have rode side saddle would not have been in armor and would never have been holding a sword she would have been holding a baton of some kind i don't know lady she is a lady there, there you go. 
Okay, let's get to the biopic. Have you ever seen Sid and Nancy, the story of Sid Vicious and Nancy Spungen? I have. You have? Mm-hmm. I don't know. You don't think you saw it with me. Oh, I did. Did you? Twice. Stars Gary Oldman and Chloe Webb. We're going to yeah, play a song by the Pogues here Did you here hear what I say? I Seth? saw it twice? Yeah. You made me watch it both times. Oh, okay. I think it's a wonderful film. If you and the audience haven't seen it, it's fantastic. Here are three things, though, that you can look at and go, ah, that's not true. If you remember, Sid Vicious has a real trademark chain and padlock necklace. Mm-hmm. In the film, it shows Nancy Spungen giving it to him. Yeah. Not true. It was given to him by Chrissy Hind of The Pretenders. Ooh. That's where he got it. When Sid is sitting at a bar in New York in the movie, he sees ex-bandmate Johnny Rotten being interviewed by Tom Snyder mm-hmm. on the television. Yeah. Here's the problem. That interview did not air until June 25th, 1980. And those of you who know Sid Vicious, he probably was dead, right? he was dead. Yeah. yeah, he died 18 months previous from a heroin overdose. In the second half of the movie, Sid and Nancy are in a methadone clinic. And this one's picky, picky, picky. You really mm-hmm. have to know this. There's an anti-drug poster behind them that shows the artwork from the Iron Maiden Number of the Beast uh, album cover. Here's the problem. The scene is set in 1978. That artwork did not come out until 1982. Oops. I get it. Picky, picky, picky. No, that's a good one. But, Somebody put it there for you to... To see that. No, I think that was just a flat-out continuity mistake. No, come on. People don't make those mistakes, do they? Here's the Pogues from the Sid and Nancy uh, soundtrack here on Rock School. Here on Rock Store. What do you think? Good show? Lots of information? Oh, too much information. Too much? Let me see if I can give you a little bit more. Do you remember the Kevin Spacey film called 21 where an MIT professor took all the students to Las Vegas, taught them how to count cards and such? Anything wrong with that biopic movie that's supposedly based on a true story film? Didn't happen, probably? Oh, oh no, it happened. Oh, it it did? Oh, it certainly happened. Here's the downside of the film. The... It actually happened. A, an MIT professor took all of these students to Vegas to count cards. Here's the thing. They were all Asian students, as was the professor. So we Americanized all of these kids, apparently, I think, to make sure that the hot young stars of the day were in this. Oh, they needed a role, right? Right. And furthermore, it's said here in the movie that $315,000 were taken. No, they took approximately $25,000. So they weren't as good as you thought they were. And secondarily, the reason the MIT professor took them to Vegas specifically, because, you know, why not Atlantic City? Why not what have you? The MIT professor enjoyed cross-dressing. Get out. And so Las Vegas was about the best place that he could go and cross-dress. Perfection. 
You have seen The Doors with Val Kilmer. Mm-hmm. I know you have. Oh, I loved it. And before Val Kilmer went downhill visually, he was something else and played an unbelievable Jim Morrison. Yes, he did. I can't say enough about it, see it was, this film. It was the best. It really was well done. I mean, some people put it down, but I, I disagree. I think it's a wonderful biopic of The Doors. Here are some things that are done incorrectly. Shortly after the band rehearses break on through, the guitarist starts to play Wish You Were Here by Pink Floyd. The problem is the song was recorded in 1975 after they recorded break on through. They wouldn't have known the song. Mm. In the studio, right before a 1969 concert, the Doors manager tells Jim, quote, I am not going to go through this again with you and lose you at the bottom of a bottle of Southern Comfort like Janis Joplin. Well, number one, she died of a heroin overdose, not alcoholism. Uh And number two, she wasn't dead. (gasps) She dies in the spring of 1970. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. The scene takes place in the spring of 1970. She dies October 4, 1970. Whoops, 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 whoops. Backstage at Ed Sullivan, the band watches the infamous 12th Street riots in Detroit. The problem is the riots took place July 23rd through the 28th, and the band appeared on the show September 17th, 67. Mm. Didn't work. And in the film, the New Haven concert is a sold-out show in a beautiful theater with a balcony. Right, right. In reality... The New Haven show was in a broken-down hockey rink with no balcony, and it was half-empty. You know the sound was good there, huh? (laughs) Bounced all over the place. Doors on Rock School. Okay, coming into the first break, let's talk about another piece of biopic known as Amadeus, the supposed life of Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. Is it true? No. It's what? not even close. Come on. No, it's a work of historical fiction. I thought it was true. No, if you think this is the life of Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, you're absolutely wrong. Again, a work of historical fiction. It's F. Murray Abraham as Antonio Salieri and Tom Holtz of Animal House. Oh, no. That's yes. all I'm going to see now. As Mozart. And by the way, he is an excellent piano player, pianist. So, he, so that was real? It. Yeah, he was able to at least, you know, finger uh, the the correct playing. That wasn't as he's fiction? Going on. No, he was doing it. See, where, it is real. Where, <laughs> the pieces of historical uh, concern are not real. For example, the two men did not hate each other. Salieri did not hate each other. He did not end up in an insane asylum. He did, however, outlast his music. So for the last 20 years of his life, he did not compose, but he didn't end up in insane asylum. The beginning scene where he's talking to the priest yeah. and he says, you know, bum, 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 and the yeah. priest goes, oh, that's charming. Right. You know, Einklein, Ach, Nacht music. Uh-huh. 
the priest would have not known that piece. You mean it hadn't been released yet? Exactly, and released is not the correct term. Oh, come on now. The sheet music would have not been out. It was it's published the release of sheet music. in 1827 by Mozart's widow, who was still alive. He wouldn't have known the piece. In the scene where they're sort of at a party and people are yelling out people to play and they say, play Handel, and Mozart goes, I don't like him. <laughs> Wrong. Absolutely not true. As a matter of fact, he played reorchestrated, he, Mozart, played reorchestrated numbers of Handel's work, including the Messiah. He cared great for him. Remember Don Giovanni, supposedly the piece that was leading to the death of Mozart oh, yeah. until the Requiem put him in the ground? Yes, supposedly the darkest thing that he wrote. Wrong, 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 wrong. Mozart himself referred to it as an opera buffa, meaning a joke. It was supposed to, you know, represent his father, but it's a joke. That's what it was. Salieri was represented as a composer that hated Mozart. There's no base to that whatsoever. And did writing the Requiem kill him? No. We don't know exactly what killed him. All we know for sure from the writings is that he died of a tremendous fever. And the best leading theory is that he died from trichinosis. Maybe he had rheumatic fever. Maybe he died from physician error to try and solve what he had. We have no idea. But it certainly wasn't writing a piece of music which is pure Hollywood horse manure. You know what I have no idea about? Pourquoi? What piece of music you're going to play after this. I'm sitting here thinking, what are you going to play now? Who's listening to us? That would be KCMT? I hope so. Uh, KCMJ. It's a J. What's wrong with your writing? It looks like a J. You've been to college. (laughs) Three Uh, times. Yeah, they're in Colorado Springs. Excellent. Back in a minute on Rock School. Actual movie again, not a biopic. Actual movie's not the right way of putting it, but a movie that's not in the biopic arena. Nonfiction? Gladiator. Fiction. Remember, it is fiction to a point. Now, the concept of the gladiator, Maximus Mm -hmm. Aurelius, he's a fictional character. However, some of the other people that are in the movie are based on real historical figures. The Roman Emperor Marcus Aurelius died at the hands of his son Commodus in battle upon passing. Wait, Now wait, I'm going to get to that. I know exactly what you're saying. Commodus was made his successor. Commodus, however, did engage in show combat, but was not murdered in the arena. In actuality, he was killed in the bath by a wrestler named Narcissus. And unlike the movie, oh, I'm getting to that. Unlike the movie, his reign lasted 12 years, although the film depicts it as much shorter. Now, Commodus, does it sound like toilet? Supposedly, and this is not known for sure, but supposedly... The commode 
is named for Commodus because oh people didn't like him very much. And when you have to go to the bathroom, oh. you go to the Commodus. Is that true? Yes. Oh, maybe, maybe I not. love it. How about Great Balls of Fire? The story of Jerry Lee Lewis came out in 1989. Ready for some mistakes that are inside of that? Not in that movie. <laughs> it says here. The song that Jerry Lee Lewis performs in Europe in the movie is I'm on Fire while setting the scene in 1958. The problem is the song was not released until 1964. Mm. Now that's a problem. That is a problem. In the movie, the song Great Balls of Fire is shown climbing the billboard charts to number one. I remember this specifically. He's driving some 1950s car. He drives in front of Sun Studios and he makes this motion up, 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 up. And the song goes all the way to number one. The problem is Great Balls of Fire only peaked out at number two. Oh, what was ahead of it? I have no idea. Some other song. Now I have to look it up. In the movie, Jerry asks Myra, that's his 13-year-old cousin, to marry him with marriage license in hand, and they're on the way to Mississippi to get married. Not the way it happened. According to Myra's autobiography, he proposed two days before the marriage, so she had a solid 48 hours to say no. That's all you need. And then they split for Mississippi to do that. In 1957, the legal age for marriage in Mississippi was 14 for men, 12 for women. So they didn't do anything wrong in the eyes of Mississippi law. Right. Except Jerry Lee Lewis's marriage to his previous wife was not yet completely annulled or divorced. So the marriage was illegal, not because she was 13. Right. But on the grounds of Bigamy. Oh, Jerry. How about that? Multi-wives. Yeah, there you <clears> go. There you go. Great balls of fire. It's Jerry Lee Lewis on Rock School. You shake my nerves and you rattle my brain. Too much love drives a man insane. You broke my wind. What a thrill. Goodness, you're wrecking balls of fire. I let the love fall Okay, coming out of Jerry Lee Lewis, uh, here we are at the bottom of the hour. I'm Joe Burns. You are? I am Tammy Burns. Do you remember the movie The Social Network, the story of how Facebook got started? Yes. Mark Zuckerberg? I do. Mm -hmm. Okay. Zuckerberg, during the movie, is shown to create the Facebook because it was originally called the, the Facebook, Facebook right, right. right? He was shown to create the Facebook to attract girls. Mm-hmm. You know, great, good thing. You can find women and they're going to put their names up. They're going to put their faces up, blah, blah, blah. Here's the only problem with that little plot point of the movie. In reality, he was dating a woman at the time he created the Facebook. How do we know that? He married her. <laughs> That's the woman we see him with Aww, at this point in time. Love story. You know, it made for a nice little plot point in the movie, but it was flat out not true. 
After we do 7 Days in 70 Seconds, we will talk about a movie that Gary Busey starred in where he wasn't a complete nut job. Oh, I think he did a really good job in this movie too, right? That's true. Coming up, but first, 7 Days, 70 Seconds. These are the Rock and Roll Dates, August 8th all the way through August 14th. You got Monday, Tammy. Go. August 8th, 1970, Christine McVie plays her first gig with Fleetwood Mac at a show in New Orleans. August 9th, 1974, four members of the group Chase are killed in a plane crash near Jackson, Minnesota, including leader Bill Chase. August 10th, 1972, Paul and Linda McCartney are arrested backstage in Gothenburg, Sweden for possession of six ounces of marijuana, which was mailed to them by someone in McCartney's office who thought they would like some weed on the road. Oh, I'd like some weed, weed on, on the, the road. Weed on the road. Sure. August 11th, 1980, Johnny Cash sings a duet of Jackson with Miss Piggy on The Muppet Show. He deeply offends Rolf the dog with his song, Dirty Old Egg Suckin' Dog. August 12th, 1960, Pete Best becomes the drummer of the Silver Beatles, who are renamed The Beatles. Poor Pete Best, really. August 13th, 1993, Steely Dan, who broke up in 1991, reform and begin a U.S. tour at the Palace in Auburn Hills, Michigan. Walter Becker explains, we spent all the money from our last tour. We made $800 and it's all gone now. August 14th, 1991, The Commitments opens in limited release in the U.S. The film features all four cores in small parts, including the youngest, Andrea, who has a speaking role as Sharon Rabbit. And that wraps up 7 Days, 70 Seconds. Let's get back to movie biopics and some of the mistakes that you'll find inside of them. The Buddy Holly Story, 1978, with Gary Busey. Have you ever seen it? I have, and I loved it. It's really good. He's good. It's before I think he had the motorcycle, and his head had such a, yeah. you know, a problem. He may very well be dealing with some kind of a brain injury, and I'm not joking about that. Mm-hmm. He had a terrible motorcycle yeah, accident. He definitely deals with some kind of brain issue. I think he does as well. But previous to that, he starred in the Buddy Holly story. And if you haven't seen it, don't have it in your head that he's going to be Gary Busey like you know today. And he's going to go, blah. He really plays Buddy Holly very well. However, there are some mistakes with the Buddy Holly story. And here they are. At the roller rink, Buddy Holly is playing a Fender Bronco guitar. There's only one problem. Fender Broncos were not manufactured until the 1970s. <laughs> There's also a Ludwig logo on the drums that are being played, and the Ludwig logo was not adopted until the 1960s. Buddy Holly died in 1959. Oops. That would be a problem. It says here Buddy Holly's parents were not against the music, as the movie suggests. In fact, Mrs. Holly actually helped him write Maybe Baby. Well, how about that? I wonder if my mom would help me write a song. I don't know. Well, I'd have to ask her. During his final concert, Buddy Holly is backed by a full orchestra. Not so. They were at a little tiny roller skating rink in Iowa, 
and they had only a tiny small band consisting of Waylon Jennings on bass, Carl Bunch on drums, and Tommy Alsop on lead guitar. Probably not even a PA system, huh? Oh, I'm sure there was a PA system, but tiny not, one. not much to speak of. And finally, Buddy, actually two more, Buddy Holly's pastor did not oppose Buddy's musical projects. In fact, Buddy, Buddy Holly reputedly tithed regularly to his church, and the Hollies, H-O-L-L-E-Y, correctly spelled, were Baptist and regular people to the church. People were fine with it. And finally, Buddy Holly never toured with Sam Cooke, as it showed during the movie. A little artistic license. This is Gary Busey singing as Buddy Holly. Why not? Yeah. I found it, so here it is on Rock School. Are you ready? I didn't hear you. I said, are you ready? All right. Let's have a nice round of applause for Mr. Buddy Holly. Okay, coming into the second break, let's talk about a movie that isn't a biopic, Anastasia. It could be just about any Anastasia film, but let's focus on the Disney film. The problem with every Anastasia film, Tammy, is that Anastasia survives the attack on her family. Right. Now, here's the thing. You and I have been to the Winter Palace in Russia and they make it as clear as crystal that Anastasia did not survive the attack on the royal family. Right, right. Here's where if the people who we listened to, if they are telling what is the correct story, here's where the story comes from. Anastasia, one of the children of the royal family, when they were all to be assassinated and they were shot to begin with and Mm -hmm. then all their bodies were taken out, put into a hole and hand grenades were put on top of them. Goodness. Here's the problem. When they were all first shot, Anastasia, one of the daughters, was wearing a breastplate made of iron and then with multiple jewels inside of it. And when the rest of the family was shot, Anastasia came back to life Mm -hmm. and got up and began to run because she was protected, although shot, was protected by this, you know, breastplate that was over top of her. However, she was immediately caught and taken down by the people who wanted to kill the royal family. So her DNA was found, and as you walk into the Winter Palace, and you know, you'll know you back me up on this, on the left is a granite cask. Yes. And they tell you there inside of that cask mm-hmm. are the remains of the royal family. Right. And Anastasia never got anywhere you know, past that. She may have outlived her family by about a minute, but that's about it. And that's where most of the stories come from. Yes or no? That's true. That's what they said. Whether the woman was telling the truth or not, that's what they said. Getting on to a song or getting on to a movie about music. Do you remember Straight Outta Compton? 
in oh, 2015. I, I do. I, I do. I loved it. I thought it was a fantastic It was movie. your favorite. Whether you like that kind of music, gangster rap or not, mm-hmm. it was simply the story of a band making it. And if you like music, that's the kind of story you kind yeah, of dig. You love the struggle. Here's the problem, though. The opening scene is set in 1986, and Eazy-E is wearing a black and white Chicago White Sox hat. The problem is they didn't adopt that logo till 1991. You mean people still can't get these facts straight? Come on, y'all. The group is outside of uh, a place to play when unrest breaks out. Now, they're supposed to be outside of the Joe Louis Arena. The problem is if you're from... Southern California, you can immediately look at it and go, oh, give me a break. That's the Los Angeles sports arena. (laughs) You can see it immediately. The group suggests, or the movie suggests, that MC Wren is a founding member of NWA. Wrong, wrong, wrong. He joined after the release of Boys in the Hood. He was not a founding member. It shows Tupac Shakur recording the song Hail Mary. Yep. The problem is that song was recorded in 1996, but the scene takes place in 1993. Can't be done. And at the end of the movie, and this one's picky, 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 it's picking nits, I get it. At the end of the movie, the newscast states that Easy e died at 30 years old. That's a nice round number. Right. 30. Right. What he, was the age? He died at 31. Oh, come on. No, no, you can't do that. You can't make a nice round number because it makes a pretty pink bow. No, they should have said they should have said thirty-one. Right, he died at thirty-one. No, I'm on I'm on your side. Oh yeah, you say the right number. He died. You don't say thirty because it's a pretty round number. No, whoever thought of that? He died at thirty-one. You get that right. Who's listening to us? KFOK in Sacramento, California. Thank you so much. I so appreciate it. Back in a minute on Rock School. Okay, coming out of the break, do you remember the 2014 movie Jersey Boys? Yeah, I do. Do you? Did you see it? I saw it on pay-per-view. You were probably awake. Did you see it as well? I did. Did you? It's a Clint Eastwood film called Jersey Boys, Mm -hmm. and it is the story of the Four Seasons, or Frankie Valli and the Four Seasons. Right. I remember watching it and really enjoying it and not catching a thing. Until I went and looked at IMDb and some of the goofs that are in it. If you're a Frankie Valley or a Four Seasons fan, here are some of the things to take a look for. When performing Walk Like a Man on the new American Bandstand in 1965, the band is called Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons. The problem is that name change occurred in 1970. They were just the Four Seasons, right? Exactly. Yeah. So that introduction didn't make any sense. There's a scene where Mike the Cop catches Frankie breaking curfew and they're singing silhouettes. The problem is that song was released by The Rays. In 1957, a few years after the scene takes place, they couldn't have been singing it. Now, someone might say, well, the song probably existed before it got out. So, okay, maybe I'll give you that one. In the scene where Mike Massey is playing a Hammond organ in a church, it sounds like a pipe organ or a cathedral organ. Yeah. 
No. No, no, no. That's a huge mistake. That one's wrong. Someone mentions the group is appearing on American Bandstand on a Saturday. Mm Mm-hmm. American Bandstand in the 1960s aired on a weekday afternoon. Did it really? Yes, it did. I did not know that. Nope, nope, Stop teaching me these things. (laughs) Frankie Valli had infantile osteosclerosis, which left him deaf in one of his ears Mm -hmm. until 1980 when he had corrective surgery. Prior to that, he used hearing aids and was proficient at lip reading. The problem is when they're in an Ohio jail in the 1960s, he's not wearing his hearing aids and Tommy's talking to him and it doesn't phase him at all. <laughs> he's not looking right at him and pff, no problem with that. And finally, in the movie, when Frankie records Can't Take My Eyes Off of You, his first single was a solo artist. It's months after his wife Francine dies in 1980. The problem is the song was recorded in 1967. It's too long a jump. Yeah. You can't, 20 years, yeah, right? Yeah, you can't make that jump. No. Nope. Too much, too much, too much. Here you go. December 1963. Oh, what a night. Here on Rock School. Oh, what a on Rock School. I got a whole nother show for you next week. In All fact, right. I could probably do three shows. But oh, let's do it. No, no. I don't want to bore people. Two is enough. Bore is me. Enough. I'm loving it. <laughs> I'll tell you this stuff off air then. Promise. Let's talk about a movie that isn't one that deals with music. Do you remember the show or the movie U571 with Bon Jovi in it? This is the American group of people who went and got the Enigma machine got it from uh, the Germans, and because of capturing the Enigma machine, we won the Second World War. I, I do remember, remember that? yes, yeah. yes. John Bon Jovi dies early in the movie, thank, thank God. goodness. Thank, thank God. God, I get it, yeah. Here's the only problem with the movie. The Americans did not find the Enigma machine. British sailors found the Enigma yeah. machine. Yeah, it's pure, unadulterated horse manure. And you know what? I think you told me that right oh, in I? the middle of the movie. Yeah, <laughs> I was very upset. I'm sorry. I, I believe the all of these you. things, so. Chadwick Boseman in 2015 played James Brown in Get On Up. Oh my gosh, he was awesome. He was. Now, there's no two ways about it. He played Jackie Robinson, Mm -hmm. Chadwick Boseman, and then came back and played James Brown. Yes. And he said since that, look, I just want to be in a comedy now. You know, oh, really? He I, said that? Yeah, I just want to have fun. I, I've played two legendary characters. Uh-huh. I just want to be in you know, like a Wayans movie yeah. and just kind of <laughs> laugh a little bit. And you know what? Good for him. Good for him. Here's the problem. Get On Up is riddled with historical inaccuracies. And it's one of these things where I'm just going to give you a few. Okay. But feel free to go online and simply... Google in what's wrong with the movie Get On Up and just watch it happen. Let me give you a few of them. In the Vietnam scene, a title card says 1968 while the song The Payback plays. The movie or the the song The Playback was released in December of 1973. Missed it by five years. Whoa. At the Tammy show, Mm -hmm. James Brown walks by the Beach Boys in the dressing room. Yes. They're wearing Pendleton long sleeve shirts. No, they didn't. 
On the Tammy show, they wore short-sleeved striped shirts, the kind they had been wearing for concerts all the way back from yeah, 1964. I remember those shirts. In the movie, James Brown's mother abandons him in 1939, making him five or six years old. In real life, she abandons him when he was four. Yeah. So they got the year wrong. Ben Bart in the movie passes away, but later on can be seen on stage dancing with the character Gertrude when they're performing the song, I Got Soul Soup Bad. That's awesome. That's just a mistake in editing. That's, that's perfection. Yeah. Cocaine addiction and domestic abuse is almost completely ignored outright in the movie. Yeah. And, and much, 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 much more. So what what I think you had there was a Mick Jagger homage to somebody he mm-hmm. loved. And so we'll play a song and you can go take a look at the rest of the things that are wrong with it because it's no fun just listening to me list and list and oh, list no, and I'm list. Oh, no, I'm going to go watch. We got one more show about this next week. I'm Joe Burns. I am Tammy Burns. Get up off of that thing. James Brown here on Rock School. Classes dismissed. Ow!